0: kongalooch everyone this is skipper kyle from tales from the jungle cruise and the jungle cruise radio plays you're listening to stories of the magic
1: welcome to stories of the magic an unofficial disney podcast with your host randy crane hear stories from disney cast members imagineers artists and more right here on stories of the magic Here's your host,
2: Randy Crane. Welcome to episode 36 of Stories of the Magic. I'm Randy, your host. Thank you for joining me. In this episode, we're back for part two of my interview with Kyle Crocker, a former skipper on the world-famous Jungle Cruise at Disneyland and current host of the Tales from the Jungle Cruise podcast. In this episode, Kyle talks about the role he'd most like to have with the Disneyland Resort and why. Working great moments with Mr. Lincoln and a little bit of a soapbox. A special memory of Walt's daughter, Diane. More about Mr. Lincoln. A bit of conversation about attractions before Walt Disney's passing versus after and preserving the legacy. A question Kyle had for me, is the Jungle Cruise still there in 2055 in its current form? Another soapbox. The first time he remembers feeling like he was part of something truly special at Disneyland starting the tales from the Jungle Cruise podcast and the SkipCast network. Were the Jungle Cruise skippers really the rebels? He lets us in on it. His favorite Jungle Cruise jokes, his advice to guests, the job he'd most like to have with Disney, what he'd like to see for a third Anaheim park, what inspires him, and his advice to you if you want to work for the Disney parks. Stay tuned after the conclusion of the interview for a special announcement about Stories of the Magic and Disney's D23 Expo. But first, a brief word from a fellow podcaster and friend, and then it's time to turn the page and continue this story. My
1: name is Al. And I'm Joyce. And we're We're huge huge Disneyland fans. fans. In fact, we love the Disneyland Resort so much, we host a podcast dedicated to the happiest place on earth to share that passion with others. That's right. On our show, Tales from the Mouse House Disneyland Podcast, we share current resort news, some tips and tricks we've learned over the years to help make your Disneyland Resort vacation the most magical experience ever. We uncover little-known and often-overlooked gems we like to call hidden treasures and even review the attractions and places to eat that make the Disneyland Resort so much fun. And if that wasn't enough, we even share some video episodes to help keep you in that Disney magic state of mind. If you're a longtime fan of the Disneyland Resort or you've just recently discovered the magic, this podcast is for you. You can find Tales from the Mouse House Disneyland Podcast at www dot tailscast.com and in iTunes. And remember, make, make it, it a, a Mickey, Mickey day. day. And now this week's interview on stories of the magic.
0: Nearly 10 years have rolled on from when I had my initial hire at jungle. Um, I think I would probably uh, still love the time that I had there, but I think I would probably go to the, the Disney university and work as a trainer. That, that would be the role that I would probably most cherish, and I've done other I've done photography with the resort. There's a few other little things, but I think that's the thing that I found the most satisfaction out of. What do you think it was that gave you that level of satisfaction from it? Well, I mean, you know when you have someone who comes in who you you have a room of thirty or forty people uh who are all getting trained in my case, it was all people who are going into the attractions side of the company, and you have everyone from people in there. 18, 19, 20-year-olds to 50, 60-year-olds, people who, um, you know, it's their first job, people who've been lifelong with careers or retired, uh, people who've had military service. It is such an amazing diversity of talent and stories and experiences that everyone is bringing to, to their roles. And you get to be the person who goes in there and, yes, you get to tell them where the fire extinguishers are and what to do in an emergency and but you're also setting the tone for everything that they're going to do from that point out with the resort you know you're creating um the framework that they're gonna create magic for the guests on a daily basis and that's that's an opportunity you can't get in any other role in the resort
2: that's true that makes sense when you worked great moments with mr. Lincoln that's another one that I I'm particularly curious about because that's another of my favorite attractions, even though the theater's usually three quarters empty yep, uh, yep. which I think is unfortunate I, I do too, <laughs> and I think that it's um, it's a difficult
0: attraction for them to promote correctly i mean i I think that it's you know it's tough to get people in there for it, and it's not one that um you know, has the appeal as the, the thrill coasters and, you know, the, the batterhorns and, uh, space mountains of the world. But I think it, it, it serves a role, um, for people who are, are tied in, you know, and it's funny, I saw a lot more people, you know, back in the Oh three Oh four days than, than I see now at Lincoln. Hmm. So, and I, I just think that it's just I don't know. You know, I don't know if people are just not as into the history of things and it's not as important as it was during the, you know, 70s and 80s. But, yeah, I I think it's a really important link to our nation's history. And I'm kind of I kind of wish that we had, you know, the whole Hall of Presidents out here on the the West Coast.
2: Oh, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Um, That's every time we go to Walt Disney World, we make it a point to see Hall of Presidents at least once, maybe even twice. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just such such a great attraction there and you know they had the voices of liberty mm-hmm. out here performing in the opera house yep. before great moments with mr lincoln for several months mm-hmm. and it was interesting to see them and and sit and listen to their concert first and then when they would leave the stage and great moments with mr lincoln would start half the people that were in the room got up and left yeah like you're already here just sit for another 10, 12 minutes, whatever it is. Yeah, and
0: I, I, <laughs> you know? I, th- I think that, you know, I think that there are some people who are um, aware of, of the historical importances and the ties from the Disney company into the way that history has been presented. And then I think there are some people who, you know, watch Duck Dynasty and who, uh, you know... <laughs> <laughs> I think there are people who are uh, tied into popular culture and media who don't have any sense of of history or their role within it or civic duty or things of that nature. So
2: yeah, I think you're right. I'm a little cynical on that, on that topic. So (laughs) yeah. And I'm sure we could lecture people for a while, but that's not the purpose of this podcast. No, it's to be positive. It's be positive about it. That's right.
0: No, Lincoln was, Uh,
2: Lincoln was fantastic.
0: And I, I think, um, I think one of, I mean, it was, it, it gave me an entirely different set of opportunities Uh, At the time, we had Walt's office from Burbank there, uh, which is something I'm very sad is no longer there. Uh, And Mm -hmm. I had an opportunity to meet uh, Walt's daughter, Diane, uh, at the attraction and stand five feet away from her as she stared into her father's old office, which I'm sure she'd done a a dozen times. I mean, it wasn't like it was something she hadn't done when she came to the resort before. But it was a really powerful link to be able to meet a member of the family. I actually met his grandson as well.
2: Really? So. Yeah, I can imagine what that might have been like, standing there and watching her look in. So.
0: Although I, I will say that I was so happy to pull Lincoln shifts during the summer because it was air-conditioned.
2: Oh, yes. Happily done. <laughs> Happily done. Yeah. See, that's another reason that theater should be full, at least during the summer. Yeah, like, come on, people. It's air-conditioning. It's cushioned seats. You know, it's great. So, And you still get an attraction. You get one of your six or whatever yeah. that you're going to mark off that you could you satisfied if you'd experience I,
0: I think it's an amazing uh look into history now that they've taken the bank out and they have the uh the Disney gallery there uh it definitely is is a little bit more uh, impact a little bit more stuff to do
2: yes definitely um, You may not be able to answer this question, but sure. I'll ask anyway. Uh, did you ever get to actually go up on the stage? Obviously not during a show, but. No, yeah, no, no. Well, we they actually, is, you know, we got to peek and, and have a little bit of a close up
0: and take a look at, you know, at the the face mask and all, you know, the because, the, you know, the Lincoln uh, animatronic, the actual mask is made from one of Lincoln's actual masks that were made. It was an actual death mask that was made of him. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, it's a plaster Paris type of, type of mask that was made. I don't know. I don't think it was the one that was from his, from when he was assassinated. I think it was from prior to that, but it yeah. was, yeah. They actually talk about that in the pre-show now. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, it's, it, yeah, it was an actual life mask. La- that's the word I'm looking for was life mask. Um, I want to say that the Benjamin Franklin one that is used in Orlando is also off a of life mask. Hmm. It was, it was a big thing during that, you know, the. You know, the eighteen hundreds to have your likeness pressed and sometimes bronzed and, you know, to have that mask made for for posterity's sake. Right. So, yeah, no, it's it's very interesting. And then there were days where, you know, Lincoln was a little tired and wouldn't stand up and we'd have to take a break and
2: <laughs> wait for his assistants to come help him get to his legs. Right. I remember – I think it was an interview with Bob Gurr, but I'm not 100% sure. But I remember hearing somebody who worked on the World's Fair attraction uh, talking about with that first-generation animatronic uh, that they had this challenge where if he moved at the speed of a a normal human, it would just destroy – The hydraulics. The the hydraulics. Absolutely. But if he moved slowly enough that – it preserved those then it looked very artificial and awkward yeah. and, and even kind of creepy yes. and so they solved the problem with lighting mm-hmm. they would let him start to stand up and then bring the light up about halfway through mm-hmm. and then reverse the process at the end so you it wasn't quite as visible through that no, time. time
0: and i i think all of the the 64 world's fair attractions they all have a special place in my heart um, I, you know, it's it's an it was an amazing time for what the company was doing.
2: Oh, most definitely, yeah. And for those who are listening, who maybe don't know what attractions those are, go to Wikipedia. I mean, uh, <laughs> yes, that's <laughs> yeah. I actually just wrote about them. I'm, I'm a contributor on the Babes in Disneyland mm-hmm. blog. I do the Fun Fact Fridays, and I just did a series uh, on those four attractions. So. People can go to Wikipedia or they can go to babesindisneylandblog.com and check out the Fun Fact Friday posts and look at the ones for April and May, basically. And they can find them and read about them there, too.
0: You know, it was one of the things about Working Jungle is you also were paired off and were working in the Tiki Room. And, uh, you know, as the last – one of the last attractions that Walt had his hand on to that level while he was alive, it was a real – for me, a real
2: connection and tie-in to work that attraction as well. Mhm. So, yeah, absolutely. Since we're on that subject of attractions that Walt touched so mm-hmm. directly versus later ones, uh as you look at the attractions in the park, do you see kind of a transition or or like a, a marked shift from the ones that he touched to the ones after him?
0: Um
2: well, or did they do a pretty good job of continuing. I,
0: I think that they've updated uh I think the Tiki Room when it got the um the pretty major upgrade. I want to say for its 35th anniversary, uh, 35th or 40th anniversary. That was, that was a point where I think that they did a really amazing job of cleaning it up and, and, uh, really putting some new polish on it. No, I think that they've done a great job of preserving the legacy. You know, I, I don't think that, uh, the tastes of the consumer have stayed the same. I think Mm -hmm. the fault is not in the company. I think it's in the people who are coming to the park who don't have the same appreciation for what has come before.
2: Right. I can see that. And I think that even for some of those of us who are more nostalgic and more aware uh, of the history, and I think one of the things I hear a lot is people saying, can't they come up with their own material, you know? and do things that aren't based on movies.
0: Yeah, but why is there a fear of changing things? I mean, I, that's one of the things that I've never really understood is, okay, so they take a Johnny Depp animatronic and put it through Pirates. That's where the, that's where the modern interpretation lies, and I, I don't see that that's uh, going against the legacy of the company or uh, – you know, I have a, a long – uh, one of the things that we did over on the podcast, and it's one of the episodes I'm I'm kind of most proud of, is uh, I took a trip up to the Disney Family Museum in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. And normally I have guests on my show. I, I did that one particular episode, just uh, kind of a monologue. And I talked about how insanely silly it is for people to um, use the phrase, that's what Walt would have wanted. You know, or that's not what the legacy of the company should be at the base of it. This is a company that has to survive in a market. It has to adapt to what the demands of the market are. And they're obviously selling inflated ticket prices at a nearly sellout capacity. So people are consuming it. Um, You know, it's it's going to change. Things are going to be different. One of our stock questions over on our podcast is um, and I'll I'll throw this to you, Randy. Do you think do you think the Jungle Cruise survives at the 100 year anniversary in 2055? Is the Jungle Cruise still there? Absolutely.
2: And is it in the form that it's in now? I think that there may be some changes to it, but it would still be recognizable. Sure. And can you say that about most of the attractions at the resort? I mean, I don't
0: think there's anything as bulletproof as Jungle. I mean, now that we have guns back.
2: (laughs) Right, right.
0: Yeah, I think that the company is going to continue to evolve and change, and the resort that we see now is not going to be recognizable in its exact form, but the more that things change, the more they're going to stay the same, and the more that feeling of of inclusion and the things that the Disney company stands for um, in its modern form are going to be there in 40 years.
2: Absolutely. I mean, even if you think back to some of the opening attractions and, and, you know, the stuff that was there in those very first few years, and with the ten or twelve attractions that were open on day one, right? <laughs> um, you know, Walt did not come up with Snow White. You know, that was that was an interpretation on an existing story. Same for Peter Pan. You know, even you know, the iconic, well, one of the iconic structures at Disneyland, Sleeping Beauty Castle, that was essentially put in. To promote the movie, no, absolutely, and that's which didn't even come out for four years. And the, the company has to produce
0: content, so you are going to have all of these movies coming out. You know, they just announced their release schedule up until twenty eighteen, uh, and luckily only two sequels out of the the ten or movies ten or eleven movies that are listed. Um, but if you take a look at that, they they have to continue putting out content. So you're going to have the lineup of Disney princesses will continue to expand your, you know, your Pixar movies are continuing to be put out there. The company has to be content producers to remain financially and culturally relevant as time goes on. And, you know, they're in the business of creating stories, whether that story is on, uh, you know, Disney channel or whether it's in a movie theater, whether it's in a theme park and those stories have to resonate with people to get them to become engaged and involved and that's part of what jungle cruise is about is involving people in a story but every attraction at the resort is part of a story and that mm-hmm. that's really where as new stories are introduced old stories will be forgotten it's it's how mythology works and at some level the disney company you know becomes a purveyor of
2: mythology and you know is in and of itself part of that mythology Absolutely. I think the reason it's so noticeable to people is that the mythology and really everything is changing so much faster than it used to. Well, I think it's
0: noticeable because we're in a place as a society where information is so readily available, it's so accessible, we're so addicted to it, where we Mm -hmm. have to have that level of involvement um, that we feel personally invested in a company that we have nothing to, to do with other than the fact that we're consumers you know the number of people who i hear on a regular basis where they have a tie in or a connection to something and they feel almost entitled you know and i think that was a lot of the issue why why there was such a cast member issue with some of the annual passport holders is because they felt entitled rather than realizing that they're just consumers of a product
2: right yeah appreciate it be grateful for it if you don't like it stop consuming the product yeah absolutely well we'll get off that soapbox for a bit <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, I, I do tend to jump on soapboxes. I'm I'm fairly opinionated and that's, you know, I think
2: I've lost you here for a second.
0: Versal in regard to the company.
2: We had a connection problem there. Well, good cuz I was just being on a soapbox even more. So <laughs> You're being on a soapbox about your soapbox? Yes, yeah. My soapbox <laughs> collection.
0: Actually, right. I've, got, I've, I've got collectible Disney soap boxes. Uh, there was an edition of 12 that came out. I have 11 of those soap boxes. If anyone actually has the Tomorrowland soap box, please let me know.
2: <laughs> we'll be I sure wanna, to put the request. out. I there. Wanna, if anybody tells me, yeah, I, I want to fill that know.
0: collection out. So.
2: Oh yeah. I mean, okay. once you've got 11, you've got to finish the set. Yeah, you got to be complete. So when you were there working at the park, was there a time, like a first time that you remember? Consciously being aware that you know I'm part of something really different, it was day one. really special. It's day, day one. one.
0: Yeah, day one during orientation, and that's part of the reason why when I was doing orientations, I tried to make that uh, a feel for people as well. Mm-hmm. What was it like when you got your name tag? You know, that's that wasn't as big of a thing for me. It was it was great. It was the second time I got my name tag when I was at Jungle Cruise. The second time that was a bigger. Because uh, we had our hometowns on on it at that point, so, um, yeah, I mean the name ta- the name tag thing was never like that big of a thing for
2: me. I know for some people it's the moment where everything clicks into place, and obviously you had to leave Disneyland at some point.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I left in 2008 because I had a, a family medical emergency, and when I came back, the position that I'd had wasn't available anymore, so uh, I wasn't able to continue with the company. But I've found ways in my – over the last two years uh, with the podcast, with Tales from the Jungle Cruise, to uh, continue my involvement with uh, my fraternity of
2: skippers and with people who've worked at the resort. Okay. Um, and since we're on the subject of the podcast, let's go ahead and talk about that a little bit more. Yeah. How did you get started with it in the first place? Well, one of the things that I realized was that um, because Jungle has such an
0: interesting, iconic place in the resort – that there were a lot of stories that uh, had gone untold. So there was a skipper uh, by the name of Benny. Skipper Benny during that 03 to 05 period was kind of a famous uh, um, among Disney cast members. He was uh, big and boisterous and fantastic, and he was leaving town. So I sat down with him and another cast member named Kaz, and we had about an hour and a half where we just had an open microphone and talked about the resort. And uh, it was really meant, uh, not even for public consumption originally, but I realized we had something special and that there was uh, a demand for people who wanted to not only know a little bit of what I like to call backstage magic, but also just Mm -hmm. preserving those stories and creating, um, creating an atmosphere where people could talk about their experiences in a very casual and entertaining way uh, and you know, I think that it has, uh, over the last two years and 50 plus episodes, 150,000 downloads. Uh, we actually have a number of podcasts under the banner of Skipcast. cast, uh, a mm-hmm. uh, pair of skippers, very great guys. Uh, Joey and Trevor do a show called Joey and Trevor talk to each other. Uh, both of our shows are on stitcher radio or on iTunes, Joey and Trevor. I'll just uh, put it out there. They tend to be a little bluer. They tend to, uh, uh, be a little more adult in their tone and a little more comedy oriented than specifically Disney podcasts, whereas our podcast uh, doesn 't really dip into that area too often it 's really more um, more chatting with people about their experiences but yeah no, right. we'd love to, we actually are talking to a couple other skippers about adding additional podcasts uh, and having a full network of programming that 's produced by ex skippers, although there really never is an ex skipper. There's just skippers who aren't working
2: there anymore. Gotcha. Um, I haven't listened to any of the others on the network, but I have listened to Tales from the Jungle Crew several times. Yep. I, I do enjoy it. I actually went back yesterday and was listening to the episode with David Koenig. Yep, that's I, that's one of the ones I'm most proud of. I think that's a
0: fantastic episode. And we're we're really working. I've got probably eight to ten uh, interviews we're working on right now. Um, you know, I have some dream guests that we're trying to line up. So no, it's it's continuing to evolve. We just went to a weekly schedule. So uh, we're putting up podcasts every Tuesday morning now.
2: Okay, how do you manage to get something out that regular when it's all designed around interviewing people?
0: Um, blackmail, actually. I <laughs> I blackmail people who are. It's it's one of the joys. Uh, you know, I do try to get as many people. Um, I have some skippers from the '70s who are coming on. Um, I do some Skype interviews with uh, cast members from Walt Disney World Imagineering. Um, I'm I have some secret extra special guests that I'm trying to have happen sometime in July or August. Um, And I'm doing this while, you know, working as my doing my food photography, which is my primary, you know, occupation and uh, planning a wedding for November. So it's been a, a bunch of fun challenges.
2: Sounds like it. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. No, no. It's, you know, and the, here's the, the real problem is on top of the fact that scheduling in general is difficult. Jungle cruise skippers are by far the flakiest and least reliable people to get lined up for a podcast. Uh, there is just something about, we talk about, you know, uh, how people, when you say you're a jungle cruise skipper, they have a different reaction. It, it's because we were the rebels. We were, the, mm-hmm. we were the Fonzies of the park. We were the ones in the black jackets and the and – not literally – and, you know, sunglasses who were the rebels because people would come on a boat and they would, you know, hear a joke they haven't heard before and suddenly we were heroes to them. And, you know, Jungle Cruise skippers have this bad boy kind of an image to them um, and it's kind of deserved in some, in some lights. You say kind of deserved. Oh, it's purely – yeah, it's deserved. It's absolutely deserved. <laughs> so. There's, I'm, I, there are exceptions, but most skippers kind of have a little anti-establishment blood running in the back of their, in the back of their pith helmets. Right. And usually it's their own, so. <laughs> I would hope so, yeah. You know, I, I tell, I tell people the key of working jungle for so long was that I had the heart of a child, and I kept it in a box by my bed every night, so that
2: was really, <laughs> that was really the key. And it's good to have that connection. <laughs> <laughs> it is stay in touch with the the, the youth that's right <laughs> um since we're actually back out on the river i want to ask you something i forgot to ask earlier okay. do you have a favorite jungle cruise joke you know uh i am asked
0: that question on a regular basis um I yeah you know i i don't because i changed the joke that i was using from the spiel on such a regular basis that it i didn't get attached to any one joke, I, I think the one that I like that I wrote the most um, was on the Native Uprising the the guys on the pole being chased by the rhino mm-hmm. I would establish early in the, the trip that we were going out into the jungle to try to find the lost Jungle Cruise band and then I get out to that point, I say, hey guys, that's right there that's the, the Jungle Cruise band I was telling you about they came out here looking for a new uh, trumpet player, but it looks like they found the entire horn section <laughs> <laughs> not not an official joke from the script, but that's that's
2: one I like a lot. So that is a good one. <laughs> it requires a lot of setup. It sounds like it, to get to that payoff. It is, yeah.
0: yeah. That's that. A lot of jokes were there was uh for a while we had spotlights at night, and as you're going under Schweitzer Falls, um, I would turn all the other lights off and use the spotlight. And as part of the material that Schweitzer Falls has in it, uh, there's a little flecks of kind of a reflective metallic kind of a tone, and I would explain to people that that was um, fool's gold. I don't know if you're familiar with fool's gold, Mm -hmm. but that particular type was only found uh, in three places, and that was Cuba, Jamaica, and uh, right there at Schweitzer Falls. Uh, So everyone knows, of course, it was the world-famous pyrite of the Caribbean. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good one, too. Yeah.
2: Once again, though, a little more intellectual, and it takes a little bit more of a setup, so... Right. Those tend to be the ones I like the best, either that or the ones that are completely deadpan. Well, I'm I am a firm believer that the Jungle
0: Cruise um, has helped the proliferation of the pun in modern society. Um, and there's a lot of reasons for that. I think puns are you know very accessible and eight year olds get them uh, and parents don't. It's a wonderful sense of humor uh, at the base of it, of course, though, the pun is the mathematically perfect form of humor. Because a lot of people don't realize that the shortest distance between any two puns
2: is a straight line. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice. And there we so go. So it's yeah. So it's the jungle crew skippers that should be punished.
0: It is. Yeah. We're we're um, there, there's a lot of punishment that's out there in the jungle. But yeah. No. It's hmm. yeah. It's it's a good. Uh, easy thing to, to fall back on is a nice a nice piece of wordplay and keep it a little intellectual. And some, some skippers play well with that kind of a, a humor and some just don't work it and they do the other jokes.
2: Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. The first joke that ever stood out to me, and I don't know if you could even call it a joke, but I can't think of a better term for it, that actually stood out to me as my favorite Jungle Cruise joke, and it's now one of about three or four, was as we were... Uh, coming up towards Trader Sam, but we weren't quite where you could see him yet. Mm -hmm. So we were in that part Uh, of the the jungle. Coming coming out of the piranhas? Yeah, we had just come out of the piranhas, and so there's nothing around us. But the skipper could see, or had been radioed or something, that uh, there was a boat stopped up ahead, and so we had to stop right where we were. Mm -hmm. And there was nothing around. And it was the first time I heard the... Well, let me point out some of the local flora mm-hmm. here in the jungle and she didn't say or actually i think this was a he he didn't say anything he then just, just started pointing yep. at, at plants it's a very mel brooks joke it is yeah so and unfortunately we were there for about three or four minutes at least and you could only point at plants for so long those
0: were those were always <laughs> the challenging times when there was technical constraints that held you in place for five to ten minutes then you had to get really creative that's when you have to be a little spontaneous so Okay. Well, let's talk about podcasting just a little bit more. No, no, please. And then... I, I love the podcast. I became oh, yeah. a giant fan of a couple uh the, the Nerdist podcasts, and I have been lucky enough to uh, be acquainted with Matt Myra off the Nerdist show, and uh, hmm. I've met him a couple of times. He's a great guy. And, you know, I I have three or four, you know, other ideas I'd love to do within the field, uh, but this takes up so much time to, to have a show that's got as, as much scope as what we do, so – Definitely, yeah. I would lo- actually love to have the download count that you do. <laughs> I, 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 I think we're lucky. I think we're just lucky that we've gotten some, uh, some nice things happen that have put us in people's eyes, and we've had some websites that have supported us. So that's great. And it's a fun show. I mean, you know, like I said, it's it's different every time, and you you get to hear what brought people to Disney. A lot of it's the same kind of questions that you ask, but um, you know, we definitely get into you know, some of the depth and history of it with some of the older skippers and that's a lot of fun.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely.
0: We we also do a radio play that we're hoping to, to bring back in the next month or two where we've done five episodes of a uh, kind of an old school radio play that puts people in the shoes of the jungle cruise skippers. Uh it takes, uh it takes place back in the time between world war one uh, and sometime between world war one and the Hemingway novels. And, uh, okay. The adventures of Gary London and his, uh, sidekick and co pilot Skippy as they travel throughout <laughs> the, the rivers of the world seeking adventure and a, a good scotch. Both important. Very important. So we've done five episodes of that. We have two or three more that have just got written. So we're hoping to, uh, to put those up sometime in the summer.
2: Okay, fine. No promises. Absolutely. We won't hold you to it. <laughs> but I had noticed those in the, um, the past episodes. I haven't had a chance to go back and listen to them, but it sounds like fun.
0: No, they're, they're great. And they're, I, I wish we could do more of them because it's, it's definitely a lot of fun for it. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of, you know, then, we, then I get to write jokes again, which is the important part of it. So,
2: Right. It's a good vehicle for that. <laughs> good excuse. Um, now, as somebody who worked at Disneyland, especially at the Disneyland resort overall for quite a while and being so involved with the guests in this way, do you have any tips for People who are listening who are guests, you know, maybe something that they may not know or think about to do or not do as um, the case may be that could make their visit better.
0: Yeah, usually the the Carl Strauss brewery truck over at California Adventure, uh, if you start early in the morning and go have a couple of beers and then get relaxed and uh, don't be as uptight about your trip. Um, I actually believe quite – all joking aside, you know, I don't think they open till 11, so you really can't go at 10 o'clock to get a beer. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the biggest piece of advice I give people is don't bring your kids uh Disneyland is a horrible place for children uh i don't think that that enhances the experience at all. Just leave them at home or in the hotel room and come and have a good time works for me um i don't I don't know <laughs> why people bring three year olds and two year olds to the resort i I think that's more about the parent than it is the kid at that point because you don't i don't think kids really get it until Maybe five or six years old. They're, I don't think that the really young ones are going to enjoy their trip. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, just leave the kids behind. Just, you know, parents, go on your own. You'll have a lot better time. It's as good
2: a tip as any. <laughs> um, now, as we talked about the different things that you did at Disneyland, you said that if you could go back there – Uh, the thing that you would most want to do is Disney University again. Mm -hmm. But if you could have any job working for the Walt Disney Company...
0: I would want them to hand me a blank check and say, uh, open the Adventurers Club back up again. Okay. That is, I think, the biggest travesty to uh, an amazing and fantastic property that is being wasted. I think the Adventurers Club in Orlando was, was the single biggest piece of genius that the, the companies had uh, regarding live entertainment mm-hmm. and it's a shame that it was closed down. i'm actually i would i'm trying to investigate some channels to get the guy who produced the the adventurers club and who was behind all the original scripting and everything on our podcast because i think the adventurers club was was absolutely brilliant
2: yeah it's unfortunately something I never got to personally experience, but I've heard so much about it, read, watched videos, all of that, and I'm sorry that I didn't get to.
0: Yeah, it, it actually influences the um, the radio plays we do on a pretty heavy basis.
2: Okay, gotcha. And I know that there's a connection between that and, and the jungle. Uh, Trader Sam's. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, a little bit. Hotel, yeah, some too.
0: some of the props from the Adventurers Club made it made their way to Trader Sam's, and Trader Sam's is fun, but it's not the Adventurers Club. I mean, oh no, it's nowhere close. No. And it, yeah. it's an okay. I mean, I enjoy Trader Sam's. I'm gonna be, you know, I, I I frequent it on a regular basis. I I drink much of their beverages in large quantities, and I I enjoy the product that they're putting forward. I think it's a good thing for the resort. I think it's nice to have a place like that. The class is up the joint. Um, And we get our Skipper of the Year, the, the Jungle Cruise Skipper of the Year. Their picture gets posted at Trader Sam's for a year after they are are, uh, are done. So that's exciting.
2: Wow. Yeah, that's
0: fantastic. That's great. Huh. I didn't know that. Yeah. There's a treasure trove of things on the walls at Trader Sam's.
2: <laughs> yes, there is. That's for sure. So, okay. Um, what do you never get asked that you wish people would ask you?
0: Oh... Uh, well, hmm, I guess that's one of those unknowable questions. Um, <laughs> well, I guess I people I I would like people to ask me about the website for our podcast, which can be found at junglecruise C-R-E-W-S dot podbean dot com. Uh, we're also on both uh, iTunes and Stitcher Radio, which is a great way to listen to podcasts. Uh, you can find us by searching either Jungle Cruise, CREWS, or SkipCast. Uh, we're on Twitter. We have a great Facebook following. Um, so, yeah, those are good things to be asked, I guess. Okay. Well, now that you've answered that, I won't ask you later. Yeah, no, it makes it easy to <laughs> – I'm, I'm all about mutual plugging of uh, of the, the relationships there. So, no, Absolutely. it's, it's – it's we like to have new listeners and we have a good time with it. So, uh, you know, I don't yeah. know. I think um, if someone asked me uh, – I think we talked on the show at one point about what we'd like to do with a, a third park in, in Anaheim. Uh, mm-hmm. I want a park that is either Star Wars, all Star Wars – but that has the castle and the stores and all the positioning of everything in the same place, but just a futuristic version of it or a dark park where all the villains hang out. Like how Toontown was for Toons. I want a dark park where all the villains hang out and maybe have some more roller coasters there.
2: Oh, that would be interesting. Actually, I love both of those ideas. Hmm. Okay, good. There's some random diversions for you. Absolutely. Something to speculate on. Yep. (laughs) Um, so let me ask you a couple of kind of more introspective questions. Sure. And then ordinarily I give people an opportunity for shameless plug time. Oh, no, time. no. I, I, I You've already done all that, the way so. during the
0: show. If people haven't realized <laughs> that uh, – see, that's the, the, the joy of having other podcasters on the show is we know how this works. So right. So we'll slip it in on a regular basis. So.
2: Absolutely. No, no, please I mean, do. You I, noticed I plugged my own blog site no, please. or my yeah. own blog writing on my own podcast. You should, you should self-plug. So. Self-plugging is very important. <laughs> absolutely so yeah I've got,
0: I've got just a couple minutes left so go ahead and the lightning round give me the lightning round okay uh, what inspires you um art i am a uh, visual art i'm uh, as a photographer and artist i love i love visual art uh there's a great website called tours departing daily which does um, high dynamic resolution pictures of the resort and i think they do beautiful beautiful stuff
2: okay I, yeah, I've been to that website. Yeah, it's a great i one. will
0: take take my camera with me and just spend an entire day at the park taking pictures so
2: mhm okay so. um and then finally, you've had some pretty great experiences working for Disney now I've been doing the Disney podcast and everything I,
0: I've had many lifetimes of experience
2: shoved into uh, a very short lifetime span <laughs> absolutely, and you know I'm sure that there's somebody listening to this interview who more than once I said, You know, I wish I could do that, but I probably can't mm-hmm. You know, I'm too old, too young, don't know how, whatever. Yeah, well, I, I would recommend them not to get into
0: podcasting because it's a very limited pool of listeners, and I can't stand to have my ratings drop anymore. Um, <laughs> but I will say that for anyone who's listening, I and I very humbly and honestly say this, Uh, working at the Disney uh, resorts uh, in any way, shape or form, whether you're working in custodial foods, attractions, whatever it is, uh, it is one of the most singular and impactful things that you can do with your life. And to anyone who is in high school or uh, parents of a high school student, uh, take a year off before you go to college unless you know for sure what you want to do. Take a year and get some life experience and go work at the resort because you'll learn more about multiculturalism. You'll learn more about operating within a business environment, professionality. You'll develop yourself as a person so that when you actually go into college and you actually start looking for what you want to do with your life, you have a much broader scope uh, than you would have had without that experience. I, I It's phenomenal. It, it is a life-changing event if you want it to be to go and work at the Disney resorts.
2: I love it. I think that's great advice and can't think of a better way to wrap up than that. So Kyle, thank you very much for your time being on here and for your stories and everything. I appreciate it. Randy,
0: it's always a pleasure. I, uh, as you may have a clue about, I love to talk and I love to share, uh, to share the history and uh, share a little bit behind the scenes of the Jungle Cruise. I've noticed that and you do it well. So thank you. All righty. Hi, this
1: is Rick Moyer. And this is Amy Moyer, and we are the hosts of Take Him With You. The weekly podcast where we discuss life at the geeky Moyer's home, and then we talk about our faith and how it relates to the world around us. Very, very positive podcast, and we think you really enjoy it. And I love Star Trek and heavy metal music. And I like... Star Trek. And heavy metal music. And I hate heavy metal music. (laughs) Want to hear more of our banter? You can by listening to our podcast. Where can they find it? You can find it at TakeHimWithYou.com or iTunes. That's right, iTunes.
2: That brings us to the end of this week's show. A very special thank you to Kyle Crocker for being my guest, and to you for listening. Currently, I don't have any more interviews scheduled. I have a few people I'm trying to coordinate with, but nothing is on the calendar just now. I'm going to keep working on it, though, and as soon as I get something scheduled, I'll post it on Facebook. So be sure to follow the podcast there, facebook.com slash stories of the magic. ...to get the latest updates. Speaking of updates, at the top of the show I promised you an announcement about Stories of the Magic and Disney's D23 Expo. Well, I'm very pleased to tell you that I've been approved for media credentials for 2013's Ultimate Disney Fan Event. I'll be there all three days, August 9th through the 11th, and will get as many stories as I can to share with you. Meanwhile, if you've worked for the Walt Disney Company in any capacity, and you'd like to share a positive story... Email me at podcast at storiesofthemagic.com or call the listener feedback line at 734-23-STORY anytime 24 hours a day. And if you'd like to be a guest on the show, let's talk. If you're a Disney guest of any Disney experience and had an encounter or an interaction with a cast member that made some extra Disney magic or had any special Disney experience you want to share, I'd love to hear from you too. Maybe you've got a favorite Jungle Cruise joke or have a favorite memory of a Jungle Cruise skipper. Email me at podcast at of the or call the listener feedback line at 734-23-STORY and tell me about your experience. Subscribe to Stories of the Magic in iTunes, the Xbox Music Store, on the website, or you can hear Stories of the Magic while on the go with Stitcher Smart Radio. If you like the show, please rate and review Stories of the Magic in iTunes, Stitcher Radio, or wherever else you listen to the show and can rate it. Those ratings help make the podcast more visible there, so it's easier for people to find it. If you have any comments, questions, or suggestions, visit storiesofthemagic.com and leave a comment on the show notes for this or any episode. While you're there, check out the show notes for useful links from each episode, too. Please like the podcast on Facebook at facebook.com slash stories of the magic. Follow the show on Twitter at twitter.com slash stories of magic and tweet out that you're listening. Pin it on Pinterest, plus one on Google+. Tell your friends about the show. Keep letting others know that you're listening so they can join in the magic. Finally, this episode has been brought to you by Leaving Conformity Coaching. Do you want your day to be full of meaning and purpose, but at the end it just seems like a waste and you feel guilty, disappointed, or disillusioned? Do you get sparks of inspiration for new things you want to try, only to have the flashbacks of gut-wrenching disappointment and embarrassing memories extinguish all motivation? Does your job leave you unfulfilled, going through the motions but doubtful it has any meaningful impact beyond getting a paycheck? Are you uncertain about your identity? Hesitant to be someone other than the labels you've been given, but desperate to know who the real you is? If you answered yes to any of those, I encourage you to check out my free video series at storiesofthemagic.com identity and start getting your answers. Thank you for joining me for this episode of Stories of the Magic. There will be other days and other stories, but this tale is finished.
1: You've been listening to Stories of the Magic with Randy Crane. If you have feedback, want to share a story of your own, or even be a guest on the show, write to Randy at podcast at storiesofthemagic.com. Or call our listener feedback line, 734-23-STORY. And don't forget to visit the website, storiesofthemagic.com, for show notes from this and every episode, and to leave your comments. Thank you so much for listening. And remember, live your dreams and make the magic in your world.